Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Episode 42 Outsource Obesity to Families. Hello there, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. My name is Simon Lewis. This is our weekly podcast where we take one aspect of education that I would change if I were the Minister for Education and try and find ways of doing so. Uh, This week we're focusing obesity, um, that is of pupils rather than of ourselves as teachers. And um, I'm proposing this week that we outsource um, the issue of obesity to families though it'll obviously be a little more less simplistic than that. It would probably be fair to say that education is no longer the sole function of primary schools these days. For example, over the last decade or so, schools have taken on functions way beyond the curriculum. Uh, We've uh, taken on uh, functions of meal providers, counsellors, psychologists, occupational therapists, web safety gurus, sex educators, religious missionaries, dietitians, social workers, attendance officers, and so on and so forth. And for every ill in society, it seems that schools are being asked to plug the gap in the five hours and 40 minutes per day that we actually see the children. A couple of years ago, child obesity in Ireland was in the news as 80% of children did not meet the required amount of activity levels uh, to be considered healthy and 25%, that's one in four children, were considered to be medically obese. Now, the obesity problem in Ireland is far too rooted in generational um, and generations of society for schools to have any meaningful impact on it in the short term, at least. And doubling PE time, which seemed to be the solution to the problem, does absolutely nothing. Programs like Food Dudes exacerbate the problem, in my opinion. And as much as we think we are experts as teachers in lots of different things, take one look at your average staff room and it's safe to say we can safely agree not to add dietitian to our skill set. So if I were the Minister for Education, I'd be outsourcing the obesity crisis back to families and to the wider community. As I said in the introduction to this episode, schools are spending a lot more time on non-educational issues than they ever were, and more and more is being expected of them. Um, For example, I think when I was uh, doing the script of this a few years ago, um, another subject was going to be fitted into the curriculum somehow, and that was teaching children hygiene. Um, And (laughs) I don't know, I mean, I I actually can't even remember because I don't think it kind of came to fruition in the end, but every time there's something in the news, we're going to have to we have to teach it now i'm recording this particular episode in the middle of the COVID 19 pandemic and i believe uh, you know it hasn't actually happened but there were uh, the, the department of education were um is supposedly creating um lessons around uh COVID 19 now thankfully it didn't happen i think we're all i suppose if there's a child in the country that doesn't uh know to wash their hands every every five seconds um i don't know uh, i don't know where they've been but um i don't think we need another subject out of it but look we um we try and squeeze everything we can and i went through a few of the uh different things that we've decided that we've almost been forced to do 
within the small amount of time that we have. Now, lots of teachers have been sneaking away uh, with the, uh, trying to squeeze things in by doing things like not doing the full two and a half hours of religion um, and that's been happening for quite some time I'd say and there's only so much integration of subjects one can do before you really do have to eat into certain aspects of the curriculum. For example if we look at SPHE alone in 1999 the subject was granted 30 minutes per week and it's a fairly full-on program even in 1999 um, and you know I mean there was there was a lot to do within those 30 minutes a week but since then we've been asked to teach extra stuff in this SPHE program. Walk Tall, for example, a drug prevention program, Stay Safe, basically keeping safe from dangerous situations and possible um, abuse, um, relationships and sexual education, teaching children about sex, web safety, cyberbullying, and now more recently, mindfulness and well-being. Now, I don't think anyone needs to do the maths on this to see that it is absolutely not possible in 30 minutes a week of curriculum time uh, to do that. And really, something has to give. Every teacher is going to do their best to pretend they're covering everything through inventive uses of thematic planning and integration. But in reality, we all know the subjects that are being chipped away at. Drama and religion. <laughs> there, I've named them. Anyway, we're, we're going to speak more of SPHE um, because healthy eating is part of this curriculum. Uh, which brings us basically to the topic of this, I suppose, hopefully shorter than usual podcast episode. I want to talk about obesity. Um, because obesity levels in Ireland are actually at a shocking level uh, with highly alarming statistics uh, and sometimes if you, you, you can talk and talk about certain things but often simply just listing how Irish children fare in the world can be as stark as one needs to be so I just thought I'd give a few facts about obesity levels in Ireland for children here we go Four out of five children do not do enough exercise. 80% of children. Four out of five children don't eat vegetables every day. Sorry, I, I'm pausing after each one to let them sink in. One out of four children have sugary drinks every day. That's amazing. Um, one out of four children are overweight or obese. One in ten three-year-olds are obese. Now, what's that telling us? And about one in four children never take part in sports, any sports, that says. And from an OECD point of view, Irish kids are more obese than the OECD average. In fact, we had the fifth most obese children in Europe back in 2016. That's only four years ago. Now, obviously, this is not good at all. Um, and I don't want to just kind of be flippant uh, about my title of, the, of this podcast about outsourcing it. Um, outsourcing the uh, uh, obesity to, to families um, or even the, the wider community we do have to recognize obesity is a big problem and combining with the fact that over 50% of parents don't recognize that their child is overweight in the research it seems to be a recipe and a pun for big and excuse the pun again big problems the Irish Heart Foundation's Catherine Riley said we know that Ireland faces a losing generation of children. I'm sorry, we know that Ireland faces losing a generation of children to obesity-related diseases if these worrying trends continue. And she's right. And she goes on to say that by 2025, that's only five years away, the problem will be so dire that it may actually overwhelm the health system. Now, she said this pre-COVID times uh, when we talk about overwhelming the health system. One thing you can guarantee, though, is that everybody blamed 
teachers for this. <laughs> it's just anytime there's an ill in society, let's blame teachers. Well, well, not everybody, fair enough, no. But I do remember the main ire of the media was the fact that we as schools only do one hour of PE per week. And you had experts, again in inverted commas, claiming that doubling the amount of PE would solve the crisis, which is absolute nonsense, of course. Now, as, I, as, we, as we all know and I've said, schools can make a difference in many ways, but even we have our limits. Looking at the recommended guidelines for physical exercise, children need 60 minutes of physical exercise every day in order to be considered enough. Now, if schools took this on, this would be five hours out of the week instead of one hour. Now, where would we get the other four hours from in reality? Well, I think we both all know the answer to that. Looking at food, we can look at food. Desh schools provide a school lunch and sometimes a school breakfast for almost every child. Now, it's, by the way, it is just worth no noticing, uh, noting that although Desh schools provide a school lunch and a breakfast sometimes for almost every child in their school, it's worth noting there was a 10% cut to the school meals program a few years ago that got no publicity whatsoever right in the middle of the obesity pandemic. Uh, well, if we can call it a pandemic. And schools that apply for their funding now only receive a maximum of 90% of what they apply for. Anyway, the total amount given to, to, uh, per child is €1.40 per child for lunch. Now, given that almost every single school doesn't have a canteen or even a kitchen to prepare food, schools have to outsource this cost to external companies. Now, these companies have to not only pay for the food, they also have to pay for the preparation of the food, the staff who do this preparation, the packaging and labelling of this food, the delivery of the food to and from the school, and often dealing with waste. So the €1.40 grant can't only be spent on the food. And what kind of quality are you going to get for that price, really? However, somehow they do manage to do this and they are able to provide a sandwich, a piece of fruit and water to children. However, it generally doesn't cover little break. So if you were to look into many children's lunch boxes these days, it actually can be frightening, even for non-qualified people like teachers. I've, um, when I say non-qualified, obviously I mean non-qualified as dietitians <laughs> rather than as teachers. But anyway, sorry, I just thought I'd clarify that. Uh, I hope I didn't have to, but uh, anyway. I've, um, I suppose, I, I, and I'm not talking about my school particularly, uh, but I mean, what I've heard of and what I've seen on the, you know, from, from people speaking, full packets of biscuits, sharing bags of crisps and sweets, bottles of energy drinks, cold fried foods such as those chicken dippers and potato wedges, leftover McDonald's meals and so on. In, in over the last 20 years that I've uh, been in the job, this, these are the kinds of things you would often see in children's lunch boxes. I'm sure teachers have seen worse and they've seen better, but th these are not surprising if you're a teacher. The only thing I imagine we all have in common as teachers is that the vast majority of us have not packed those lunch boxes. Who are packing those lunch boxes, obviously? Now, I'm not naive enough to simply say that we should do nothing and leave obesity and blame obesity on parents. I mean, yes, I mean, parents are filling lunch boxes um, sometimes with biscuits and crisps and all that, all that sort of stuff. But it goes without saying, me doing that would be a very privileged position to come from. I'm very lucky, for example, for, uh, as, as, um, as, as someone who has a fairly, I suppose, privileged background. I, um, I, I don't come from the, the, the most comfortable um, uh, background in terms of wealth or anything like that. I come from a fairly uh, normal background. But um, it was a background where 
my family knew uh, a little bit about healthy eating. They knew that it was important to give me decent food so that I'd be able to learn. And as a teacher and as a, I suppose, a, as, a, a, as, a, as an adult now, I'm lucky that I have a fairly decent knowledge of healthy eating and I have enough money uh, on top of that because it's the other thing about this is I do have enough money to buy food that is healthy because like it or not, um, despite what uh, people say, healthy food isn't as cheap as unhealthy food. I also have the ability um, and I'm lucky again in this respect and privileged in this respect to have the knowledge to prepare and cook food and I also have the time and I also have the organisation to do all of these things and I was also lucky to come as I said from a house where healthy eating was actually seen as important even if my own parents may not have practised what they preached. However, my mum was a good cook and there was always lots of variety of foods in our house all the time. She cooked a meal every single day. We almost always went shopping with her and we didn't skip the fruit and veg aisle like, again, one in four families do. I recall one of my favourite foods um, back in when I was a child was to chomp uh, on a raw carrot. Um, so in a nutshell, I do come from a lucky, privileged place. I don't recall my school teaching me much about healthy eating except for the food pyramid, but I don't think it had any impact on me. And like every kid, whatever lessons I might have been taught about the food pyramid, my favourite foods were the ones you were supposed to eat sparingly. The obesity problem in Ireland is way too deep um, and way too and far too deep rooted in generations of society for schools to have much of a meaningful impact on it. Yes, we can help a little bit, but we cannot solve the problem in the short term. And ultimately, most of the issues around food and exercise have little to do with food and exercise. They're the symptoms, not the roots of the problem. And while I am proposing that we outsource the problem of obesity to families, I do believe that schools do have a role to play. And while, I ca while it can't be done on the cheap, that's the thing, you know, it, can it cannot be done on the cheap, but that's basically what is being attempted in schools. We are basically being told, teach all this stuff, but they're giving us nothing in order to be able to teach it. We need to look at uh, two areas, um, I think, as schools, diet and activity, and where the answers lie and where they don't lie, I guess. I guess what I'm trying to see is, is there a way that a school as an entity could be utilised to help with the obesity crisis, but not necessarily during the school day as part of the teacher's job, and also to ensure the parents and families of children begin to take ownership of the issue, and in some ways educate each other into better outcomes. I think this has to be a wider um, solution and, and I, I just want to preface what I'm saying is that I'm not an expert in this area uh, as I said I'm a guy with a microphone who runs a podcast and you know these are just ideas maybe to start conversations rather than actually solutions for me um, trying to um, bring exercise and diet and and all this sort of stuff back to houses rather than just teaching them in isolation in schools could be part of the solution. So let's look at some of those. Um, let's look at exercise first. And for me, it's the easiest one because it can be done for almost no money, for nothing. And I said before, some of the media and experts have decided that doubling PE time will mean the obesity crisis will be defeated and we'll all go skinny. But as I've said, two hours per week of exercise is better than one, but it isn't seven hours, which is actually what's needed. Now schools can take over the weekends as much as some people would like us to but then uh, but what could happen very easily in my opinion is that schools could be used as places for activity based after school care all government funded as well um, so what I'm kind of saying there is that we could actually have um, after school care that would be exercise based um, 
And in big schools, this would be very easy because it could all take place at the school. Um, but small schools may have to join up with local GAA clubs or local pitches or local sports or whatever it might be. And again, all this could be funded through school transport. Obviously, every school can't do their, uh, do, do their own after-school club, but every area could possibly have some form of exercise-based after-school care. And come to think of it, most big schools um, built in the last 20 years um, were built without a large glass area, so maybe they need to be moved to a, a, a local sports club. And in fact, it might be a good idea for these to be centred around local sports clubs, again, to encourage children to join local sports clubs. And what we would I'd be suggesting is that trained outsiders could run these classes and be paid for them. Um, and it would solve a couple of problems. One, it would give you, give you the five hours of exercise, physical exercise every day from Monday to Friday, and it also gives an extra hour of childcare to households. So what I'm sort of saying is we're extending the school day uh, by an hour. Uh, teachers, uh, the, the classroom teachers aren't teaching it. The children are whooshed off to um, a, a local sports club on buses, and they get an hour of exercise every day, Monday to Friday. Now, it sounds fanciful, but there's nothing really stopping that from happening and um, the more I think about it it doesn't sound like a bad idea. Food though is a much trickier problem because Irish schools just don't have canteens in general. Food generally has to be outsourced and delivered to schools and the budgets are tiny. The government do fund terrible awful awful programs like um, as I call it, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, uh, food tubes, <laughs> uh, as it's known, but uh, it's basically, which don't work. Um, they, they actually just exacerbate the problem. You know, come on, Johnny, give the cherry tomato that's been sitting in a plastic bag by the radio, uh, like by the radiator for four hours, and it'll lick, and you'll get this free pencil case. You know, that's food dudes to me. Um, it's unrealistic to put a kitchen into every existing school in Ireland, but it's not unrealistic to put a kitchen into every new school that's being built and start from there. And for schools without kitchens, perhaps there might be a way to retrofit one. I did it in my school, um, and that's worked re out really, really well. For smaller schools, maybe a, a local cafe could provide food each day for their area. Um, if you go back to my episode on small schools, um, for more details on how that actually would work, um, it's, I, I definitely think it's a really good idea because it helps, again, it will help within the community as well as the schools. And in order for this to be affordable at 140 uh, per child per day, the whole thing would actually have to be centrally managed instead of this grant paid system that's in place. Um, I guess the big problem uh, when it comes to food is, is it is expensive to feed people, to feed children, but it can be done. Um, and how? Because if you think back to a previous episode of this podcast, um, and I, I can't remember what number it was, but if you look at countries like Finland and Sweden, they provide 100% free school lunches, and they've actually managed to reduce their cases of heart disease in adults within one generation since they started free school lunches. So you spend your money on young people, and you reap the benefits as adults. You know, I mean, I think we know this already. There, there, we, we have these uh, terrible short-term thinking uh, problems in, 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 I don't know if it's just in Ireland, but, if, uh, but in Sweden and, and Finland, where they actually, they've actually got evidence to show that within one generation of providing 100% free school lunches, they reduced their cases of heart disease in adults. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal, isn't it? But the above isn't going to happen, really, is it? And, but even if it did, it doesn't actually solve the other 19 hours of the day where children aren't in school. Whatever we do in schools, families are key in the fight against the obesity crisis, and we need to include families here. 
Many parents are going to need extra help to tackle obesity, and this is where schools might team up with agencies that can help families. For example, the HSE might come up with a system that children must be measured for obesity at every GP checkup. I know that sounds extreme, um, but it's not, um, it's not an alien concept. I think they do this in the UK. And if the child is overweight, a program could begin. And it's not shaming children for being overweight, and it's not shaming obesity, I, do, I don't think. It's just um, we have to treat um, obesity like any um I'm not saying illness or a disease or anything like that, but but to kind of treat it in a way that if you find yourself obese, that there's supports there for you to become not obese and to return to um, a healthy um, a healthy way, particularly for children. For example, a doctor or nurse should be able to refer a parent to a course to help their child where needs be or set relevant targets and so on and have tailored plans to help and support it's all about supporting and in fact even if schools did the exercise clubs after school and provided lunches to every child in the country this isn't really the main place to fight against obesity and the place it should be is homes not schools and yes, we can teach about good food and exercise. Yes, we can supply lunches every day. Yes, we can supply exercise classes. But we can't extend this to outside of school. Um, I, there's other solutions that I, I've seen, uh, and, and some of you will remember from a, a, a previous episodes in the past when I used to do a news run. Uh, one of them was a, a, a campaign where they were trying to ban fast food restaurants within 100 metres of schools. It just isn't the answer. And we've seen this in, in more middle class leafy areas, let's say. And putting taxes on sugary drinks might help a little. However, education in the broader sense of the word is probably the answer. And one thing, though, I think we really shouldn't do in terms of food is leave the whole thing up to teachers. I feel I've given a few ideas um, of what could be done. I mean, I really haven't gone into a huge amount of detail because, as I said, I'm no expert. And what I've done, I suppose, is create a few little starting points. I mean, the idea of, you know, providing, uh, yes, school, school kind of things, but having these after-school exercise ideas, having, um, you know, supporting families where obesity happens. So you go to your GP, you get weighed um, at your GP. If you are overweight, uh, there's, you know, there could be a referral or there could be just a, a plan made by, by you. It doesn't have to go to much extreme methods. But as much as, you know, and as, uh, but the thing is, it shouldn't really be up to teachers. Doubling PE time or uh, things like food dudes where you're force feeding children, uh, you know, slimy peppers from plastic bags and things like that that isn't really the way to go and we shouldn't be leaving the whole thing up to teachers and as much as some of us think we might be experts in lots of different things we have to take one look <laughs> at the staff room uh, that, that well the staff room pre-covid times and i think it's safe to say that we can absolutely agree not to add dietitian to our skill set <laughs> i'm only kind of joking on that but Look, as I said, it's a shorter episode this week. Um, I um, I don't think that, I don't think I have the expertise um, to to really um, say what's right or not. But I do. Um, if I was to make my point, really, um, landing um, the obesity problem into schools isn't the full solution. Maybe a little bit of the solution, but it certainly isn't the full solution. What we need to be doing is we need to be getting into families. Uh, we need to be supporting uh, families where they need it. Um, we need it to be a community, um, 
I suppose, driven uh, initiative where we, we celebrate uh, healthy eating, we celebrate exercise, and, and we see times in communities where this re- works really well. I mean, I'm no fan of Operation Transformation. That, uh, you know, I think that is that January time after after um, Christmas, uh, Operation Transformation is on the TV, and you see hordes of people that generally wouldn't be out and about doing exercise coming together as communities and um, exercising together. So, you know, we need to think about these ideas, these community-driven ideas, the ways to actually um, motivate um, families and their children to um, to exercise, to eat well, and together, I hope, uh, we'll be able to reverse um, this issue of obesity. And, um, I mean, really, it's within all of our interests to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's scary uh, to think that in five years' time, that the problem could overwhelm our health system um and even in five years i think is it in, by 2030 i think they're saying three quarters of adults would be obese uh, in ireland i mean these are shocking statistics um and i i, I really think while we may uh, struggle to solve the problem with um adults we need to focus as 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 with almost everything in society on the next generation um and um you know i've heard of other initiatives uh, that you know schools are trying to do like such as growing your own food preparing your own food cooking your own food so you can see where you're getting your food from um, i'm just throwing out these uh, little th- uh, little ideas as i come to the end of this little um i suppose episode on on almost uh, as as uh, someone has put riffing on um on on on, on um the uh, on possible ideas around obesity so look that's all i think i have to say on that um i'm sorry it's a a short enough episode i I have recorded um if you're interested in listening to more of me uh, i have recorded an episode about the midterm break in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic if you want to listen to that it's a fairly long episode um i i hear people um listen to this episode to fall asleep uh which i i'm taking as a compliment because if i didn't i'd just cry anyway thank you very very much for listening um if you enjoyed this podcast and um, please um feel free to review it um or to subscribe uh using your podcast uh, app of your choice whether it's apple Podcasts, spotify um or any of the others uh, i think google podcasts stitch stitcher um and all the rest i use Castbox for my podcasting uh, which i find really good on my android phone um I, as i said i'd appreciate a review if you have it uh, in you and that will help other teachers uh, find uh, the podcast um Thank you again for listening. We'll be back again next week with our next episode, episode 43. And um, I look forward to talking to you then. All the best and goodbye. (laughs)